You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Mike Pondsmith. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Uh, I had a question because you were talking about your character design, how you take them and like real people. But I wonder now that we have much more like public forums that people chat about games like Cyberpunk 2077, if you ever used conversations from them to gauge the success of messages you wanted to come across from your games or even have taken things that people have said on those online forums as inspiration for future narratives. It would be like trying to write something when 100 people, 1,000 people are writing over your shoulder and say, yeah, put that in. I've worked professionally on projects where I had four masters at once and it drove us all crazy. So I don't usually jump in like that. What I am amused at is trends. I look at, hmm, this character was really popular. Hmm, I wonder why. Let's find out a little bit more. I'll find out, oh yeah, somebody found out about that background thing that I just kind of buried in there to see if somebody would discover it. So that is like a check back to me. Did the information get across? What did people do with it? And along that line, because I'm interested in how people emotionally connect to characters, and, you know, the worlds that I'm creating, I look at it also and, and sort of see how they use them. You know, for example, you know, I, I am just cracking up at the fact that there were a limited number of romantic relationships in 77 and people are fighting over who's the one you want to get hooked up with most or my girlfriend is better than your girlfriend. No, guys, she's not real. Or conversely, everybody going back and forth. You know, why can't I have a gay relationship with this character, but I can with that one over there? What do I do? When you have compelling characters, people want to figure out what those interactions are. But it's a good idea not to use that to guide you because when you do, you end up with the tail wagging the dog. I remember... um, a couple anime I used to follow, actually manga. And I remember one of the writers had a tendency to write stuff as the players or the users were seeing it. And it took his story, which was going one way, and bent it in a bunch of other ways. It was like several people driving the car all at once. So what was a really tight story when it began was popular until it fell apart because everybody was getting into it. And you're never going to find a situation where everybody agrees with something the same way. So there are different people taking different aspects of different characters every time you create. So that's interesting because one of your games, Mechton, was adapted from uh, manga, but you were using your imagination and diverging from the story. What have you learned in the ways that people in different parts of the world play your games, what does it tell you about those cultures and hmm. countries? That's that's an interesting question. Mechton is actually kind of interesting because it went through a filter. I started, I didn't know a lot about anime. And I was working from books I'd seen. Or there are these things called comic uh, what are they now? Comic journals, I think. Basically, they take cells from the anime and they give you the written dialogue inside of those like a comic and i had that and i had i think voltron at that you know because the stuff was just coming over so there was not a lot so i had to go figure out how it would work what were the rules that made this work what fascinated me was that eventually 
Mekton bounced back to Japan and Japanese then did their own takes on it. And the things that they emphasized were different than what I would have emphasized. And for example, you know, one of the things I found interesting was in anime at, from the Japanese standpoint, the giant robot is not it. The giant robot is a way to get the plot from A to B, but what's really going on is the interactions of the various people which is why even when they're on opposite sides and are enemies, there is a relationship going on all the time. And it gets settled when they both climb into their giant robots and go, you son of a gun, you stole my girlfriend. Oh yeah, you destroyed my city. Oh yeah, and then you go at it, let's fight. But we would have a tendency to simply use that existing relationship as this guy's the bad guy, this guy's the good guy, this guy did this, this guy did that. And we're really there to fight with the robots. Where I love the fact that in anime stories around giant mecha and so forth, it is much more about what the people are doing with a giant robot. And they could have done it with a fast sports car. They could have done it with a giant dog. They could have done it with any number of other agencies that would get them into that fight. But what we're really talking about is why Amuro and Shar hate each other and how this goes back to their old girlfriend i just love the idea of like all these these anime where you know the guy runs down to the flight deck and he says i'm going after him and you know someone's going that's a 450 billion dollar robot you're taking out i'm gonna kill him no no you don't have permission to do that get back and i'm coming for you you know and you're thinking if this was a real world, this guy would be, you know, in the brig forever. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.